This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Sophie Pollan, CMO at Order Menton, about how in today's marketing lingo, authenticity is being thrown around and how it's potentially losing its meaning. And what should marketers focus on instead? On that note, let's dive in. Sophie, thanks a lot for joining us. Shane, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, I want to go get right into it. Tell me, what what are your thoughts about authenticity today? Oh, <laughs> well, one of my favorite cartoons that I had above my desk for years was Authenticity is the New Bullshit. You know, I think that authenticity really when social media came about, then it was like, oh, shit, we actually have to be authentic now. We can't hide behind these big budgets. And I think authenticity is it's fun it's real and you know it makes the marketing it makes the world a more level playground so i am down with authenticity (laughs) do you think we're overdoing it i don't think you can overdo it overdo it if you're being authentic i think what is i think what's happening is we're at a time when people are people want authenticity they want you know, purpose-led businesses, they want to make the right purchasing decisions, but it's hard for, you know, it's hard for businesses to catch up with it. So what you see now is, you know, a lot of companies that maybe haven't been doing the best practices, they're kind of scrambling to be authentic. And, you know, there's, you can argue it two ways. Some businesses, you know, doing it in the right way, some might be greenwashing or whatever you talk about, but there's other businesses that are actually authentically trying to change. I remember, listening to the Yvonne Chouinard of the CEO of Patagonia and he I think he'd been camping with the CEO of Walmart and he kind of said you know I'm not condoning Walmart but bear with them you know when you build a company that's based on low price to actually shift that company into something else is quite hard so it's kind of we're in this time where yes authenticity it's being thrown around it's hard to know who's being authentic who's not but I think that you know we're in a time when consumers are smart and you know, we're getting there. It's kind of, we've made a lot of progress and we're not there yet, but I think we need to, you know, not cut down anyone that's trying to be authentic and support the people that are. In our previous conversations, one of the things that I've heard you say quite a lot, in fact, just today, before we start recording, you you talked about it as well, is 
purpose-driven marketing. Can you explain what you mean by that? I think purpose-driven marketing, you know, I, I think purpose-driven marketing only exists if you have a purpose-driven company. So, you know, there's no such thing really as purpose-driven marketing. But if you have a purpose-driven company, then you do, you know, that can come through in your in your marketing. And I think what that means is like, how are you making a positive impact beyond financial success? And that I think comes to the crux of it. And, you know, I've been researching and studied purpose, purpose-driven marketing for, for years and years. And it's only now that I've actually been able to be in a role where I can actually do it authentically, as, as you say. And the hardest thing is, is it's really hard in this day and age to actually link being purpose-driven to commercial success. And I found that that is actually where the magic happens and that's what you need to strive for. So when I'm talking about purpose-driven marketing, I, as CMO, I try and make 50% of my role about being purpose-driven and I genuinely believe that the more that our company fulfills our purpose, the more trust we will be build, the more authentic that we are, and that will be the marketing job done. So that's kind of how I would um, define purpose-led marketing, but it only exists if the whole company is purpose-led. Do you mind giving a little bit of background on the company? And I think, I think it would be helpful to paint a little bit of a picture for the listeners in terms of what do we mean about purpose-driven, especially in the case of order momentum. Yeah. Can you, can you explain that a little bit so that then we can dive into that and unpack it a little bit more? Yeah, of course. So, Automentum, so we're an ordering payments and insights platform for the food and beverage and food service industry. So, hospitality venues can come to Automentum and discover, connect and trade with Australia's best wholesale, wholesale suppliers. Suppliers, on the other hand, can have their order and payments taken care of in one platform, integrate with their inventory with their accounting, with their route optimization. So they streamline and digitize and get everything that goes with it. So we are essentially, you know, our goal is to be the operating system of the hospitality industry. Now with that comes, you know, digitizing has benefits in itself. So, you know, say five years ago when I started, you know, we were still, Automentum's always been purpose focused, but we were more so focused on how do we improve the lives of the people that are creating and sharing the food and drinks we all love. And that was what we were all about. So, you know, spending six to eight days, uh, six to eight hours a day and um, manually inputting invoices and doing payroll, you know, all these things take a lot of time. So we wanted to streamline their processes, be efficient. And then kind of a couple of days, a couple of years ago, so our goal was to reach a billion in GMV. So we've now hit three billion in GMV in total. So we're like, hold on a minute, we need to stop and realign. Like we have 40,000 venues on the network, which is half the venues in Australia. You know, we're shifting 1.3 billion a year in produce. So I, when I'm talking to the company, I often talk about the Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility. So we kind of stepped up from improving the lives of the people that we're, that we're serving, but what are we doing for the industry? And that's where we came to the purpose of, you know, the unifying insight across hospitality and food service is it's, it's hard. It's hard work running these businesses and often you're playing out of position like you don't become a baker to do payroll you know you don't open a cafe to do rostering so this is the 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 crux of it so it's like how do we make this industry sustainable and then that's how we come to our purpose and now what we do at a marketing level product level uh, growth level that is how what we try to fulfill interesting okay 
That was a long-winded explanation. No, no, I think that's that's very helpful for for everyone to have a little bit of context where where this conversation is coming from. So, so you said that you know you, you had an internal conversation. You said we need to we need to do more for the industry. Tell us a little bit. T- tell me a little bit more about how did you kind of do that transition. What were some of the challenges that you come across when you were making that transition? Yeah, lots, lots, lots of challenges. So say, okay, so we're all aligned that we want the industry to thrive and prosper and be sustainable. So we're like, great. And so even from a marketing level, I'm like, okay, great. Here's our plan. We're going to get an advisory board together around sustainability and we're going to do a roadmap and we're going to help every business in hospitality become sustainable. And then you start diving into it and, you know, we did surveys to our customers around sustainability and I did go out and speak to experts because I'm not, you know, I'm a marketer. I'm not an expert in sustainability, um, especially across the supply chain. So then we start speaking to industry bodies and what you find really quickly is it's really complex, the idea of sustainability. And we look through the lens of, you know, economic sustainability, social and environmental. And when we talk to our customers, you know, if you're running a hospitality venue and, you know, you've just survived, you've just come out of COVID, you've just survived, you know, you're not necessarily worried about what straws you're serving. You're worried about payroll. So it wasn't about everyone kind of goes to the environmental side of things, which we do. And especially now we're leaning into that, whether that's, you know, sourcing local products or optimizing route runs, et cetera. So we do do the environmental side. But there was this, what we found is that, hold on, you actually need to, we use the analogy of being in the airplane, you actually need to put your air mask on first and make sure that your business is sustainable so then you can thrive. So a lot of the work we do is around payments. So we're passionate about our payment suite, you know, and it's all about getting suppliers paid faster so they have cash flow, they're not chasing payments, they can manage, they can forecast and they can grow and scale their business sustainably. So that was a big part of it. So it was kind of, I'd say that the challenges were it is completely different when I started, you know, researching it. And like one more example, you might have a big supplier and they might be changing the way they use water in their business. And they, they still might use plastic and all these other things. But just that one change has huge impact because they're, you know, a multi-million dollar business. So it's kind of like they are making big strides towards becoming more sustainable. On the outset, you might say, oh, they've got plastic packaging and they're not, they're not doing this and that, but they are actually making meaningful impact within their business. Um, yes, we need to speed it up. Yes, we need to support them. But one of the challenges was how complex sustainability and the area is and how best to navigate so we can help the industry through it. Sophie, how did you, I mean, th- that's a very interesting point of, you know, having this grand plan and then getting into it and you're like, wow. This is there's a lot more to this than uh, than we thought we could do here, and uh, and some of the things that we cared about, our customers don't care about. It's not on their radar. How did you then come and integrate this into your marketing activities and your go to market strategy? You talked about you know you you started p- putting a board of advisor advisory board together, but how did you inc- start incorporating it into your marketing strategy and then your marketing tactics? Yeah. You know what, I think the first thing to do to make it viable is how quickly can you link the purpose-driven activities to positive commercial outcome? So I think where a lot of companies 
that are trying to do this, you know, with great intentions and a lot of marketers with great intentions. It's like, you know, we're purpose driven. We want to make a positive impact. But if that isn't aligned with your commercial goals, then it's not going to be successful. And this goes way back. I think the, you know, the concept of like profit for purpose or, you know, I think Bill Gates in 2008, he was kind of the first that said, you know, philanthropy and government alone can't do this. The private sector has to has to step in. And until the commercial outcome is linked to positive impact on people in the world, it's not going to be successful. So what we did was try and work out what are the metrics that have a positive impact on the industry and on our customers and also have a positive impact, the bottom line. And then one of our values is, you know, constantly striving for the win-wins. And this is ingrained in what we do. We use it a lot and it's, you know, we're kind of grateful to have actually um, values that we use but this idea of constantly striving for the win-win so is this good for us is it good for our customer is it good for the industry and when you actually find those win-wins and you know it's not always easy but that is where that's where the magic happens and that is how you get buy-in from the board from shareholders from internal stakeholders and then it goes into the into the marketing plan easier said than done (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Sophie, are you able to, and, and, you know, please feel free to say it's not, it's not possible, but are you able to give any examples of some of these metrics that are now really key for, for you guys? Yeah. Yep. We have lots of metrics. One of our challenges at the moment, you asked what the challenges were, is, you know, refining our metrics. But so my favorite metric that we focus on, so, you know, a couple of Years ago, so we launched a, um, a new product, which is all around a discovery section for the venues to discover new suppliers. So when you're trying to build a network, we're trying to make these create, um, we're trying to connect people. And, you know, at the same time, like we've raised money, we need to be viable and we need to be commercially driven. So, for example, it's like, okay, how many new venues have we got signing up? How many new connections have we made? How many orders? What's our GMV? So we were kind of pushing towards all these metrics and then we had a look at it and it's like, well, actually, what is healthy for the, for what's the win-win, what's healthy for us and what's healthy, healthy for the industry? And what we found, everything we do is based around, we call it a trading relationship, but it's the relationship between the supplier and the venue and everything we do is surrounding that relationship. So that is, you know, easy payments, easy ordering. We've got chat functions so you can speak to each other, proof of delivery so you can automatically, you know, take a photo, upload it. So everything's around this. And what we found is that when there is a strong long-term relationship between a supplier and venue, then everyone benefits from that. So instead of trying to get new connections and new signups, we have the metric where we look at third order, fifth order, 10th order. And all we're interested in is creating long-term sustainable relationships between suppliers and venues. We don't want to be a marketplace that price driven and they jump around. So this is, we want to foster that relationship. Yes, we want to fill the basket. So you order your coffee and then you order your bread, then you order your fruit and veg. But we want you to have a long, long relationship with those suppliers because then you can manage your money, you can manage your forecasting, you can grow. So it's like this is kind of a core metric and this is the foundation of our strategy is around building long-term relationships. And when we change to that metric, that filtered through the whole business and that was kind of one of the metrics that's kind of the core of our purpose-driven like strategy. Interesting. So so the metric was how many repeat orders does one venue puts puts in with the same supplier 
and how can we make sure that that number goes up over time? Is that is that correct? Yes. Did I summarize correct. that correctly? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And we've also other metrics we've tried to do is it's it's very difficult with sustainability because there's like hours stat saved less weight, like the error goes down a lot. So we try and calculate how much waste they've saved, how much time they've saved, and even with delivery route optimization, how many miles they've saved. But that stuff, it gets very tricky. That's where one of the complex, we've struggled to actually find the right metrics there. So we have focused on the relationship. If a marketer is listening to this conversation and they're like, man, I really want to roll out uh, the you know, really drive our marketing program with purpose and the company's purpose. Mm. What advice would you give them? Hurry up! <laughs> <laughs> no, in all in all seriousness, I think what I said, linking it to a commercial benefit, and then so you get your metrics. So somehow try and prove up that this is good. It's good for the business. Then you know one of the best things we do is like rally your internal stakeholders. So I have people come to me, send me ideas. Like there's a lot of people internally that are very passionate about sustainability and very passionate about doing, you know, doing good. So, I've, you know, pulled them together and it's like, okay, what are we going to do to actually make a meaningful impact? So even if you're in marketing, so pull in a cross-functional team that are purpose-driven and then I would end, get your um, advisory board around you as well. Like go out and seek it. And the pur- your purpose might not be sustainability as well. It might be something different. But the truth is it was get your, get your metrics, link it to a commercial outcome and rally your internal stakeholders cross-functionally. Sylvie, how did you go put the advisory board together? A lot of it was just through people that we knew as well. So when we started out and we did a survey, so we have links with like Oz Harvest and For Purpose Co. So we spoke to people there and, you know, we're working with an amazing woman, Amelia Edwards at the moment from Universal Council, who's a lawyer but focused on sustainability. And then you, we spoke to her and then she is like, oh, there's all these people here that are doing these things. We work closely with AFAB, which is the governing body, the baking industry. They're working with the EPA, the New South Wales government. So we worked with them to try and do, you know, documentations to help with to help bakeries. So it's incredible once you speak to one person how big their network is. So it was one conversation led to another and now we kind of have a suite of people that we can go to to try and pull together their you know their smarts and advice. That sounds that sounds very handy to have that advisory board on the side. Mm. I think that's part of authenticity as well. It's like we you can't you know, I can't pretend to be an expert in sustainability. You know, I research a lot. I'm passionate about it. But, you know, I'm doing marketing day in, day out. <laughs> so, you know, you need to find people that know this at a very deep at a very deep level. Sophie, I, I, I definitely do want to touch on and ask you some rapid fire questions. But before I get there, is there something that you think we should touch on or we, we should, maybe that I haven't asked with regard to purpose-driven marketing that you think we should cover? Oh, yes. I actually think that it's it's got more benefit than anyone knows. Like even for a track, so it's kind of like if you do another, you know, bit of advice, if you are interested in purpose-driven marketing, then, you know, even with attracting staff is an amazing, you know, an amazing opportunity. This idea all through my marketing years, it was always about grabbing attention. So it's like how can we 
grab attention of people. And now it's like, you know, Instagram and TikTok have our attention. So it's not creating like these moments. It's not grabbing attention. It's creating meaning. So it's kind of like at any point in time, how can you create meaning? And yeah, I think that's the goal. And that's what we, that's what we strive to do. That's all. I love it. Love it. Did you know that Christmas has come early for us here at Xgrowth? Whether you may or may not celebrate, we've got a special gift made just for you. Tucked in our pod description, you'll find a link to your very own copy of the 2023 State of Account-Based Marketing in APAC Report. Want a sneak peek? Well, despite budget cuts, 0% of surveyed APAC marketing leaders plan to reduce their ABM investment. In fact, 65% view ABM as a crucial part of their marketing spend. Uncover the insights and strategies used by the top marketing leaders. So don't miss out and grab your copy now to stay ahead in the ABM game. Let's do some rapid fire questions, uh, Sophie, before we, we wrap up. So the first question I have is, what is one resource? This could be a book, a podcast, a blog, a talk, whatever it is that has had a profound impact on the way that you work or you live. Can it be in the last month? I suffer from recency bias. <laughs> absolutely. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I just finished Elon Musk's biography and that definitely changed my thinking. But no, honestly, actually, if I look at the whole, you know, everything I've read and especially around this, the a personal book would be Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. I was lost in my 20s and my nana told me to read it. Uh, and another book which... I ended up going to the conference and it led me down a track was We First by Simon Mannering. You know, I don't, I, it's not a popular book, but he articulated a lot of what I was thinking about and what I was researching, how the private sector, need, you know, we need a new capitalism where the private sector is more profit for purpose. So he articulates kind of a roadmap for big brands to actually become purpose-driven. So, you know, once I read that, I kind of went to LA, went to the conference and never looked back. Love it. That's a great answer. By the way, the more the merrier the examples, but those are, I'm definitely going to be looking, looking those up. The, the Musk biography is definitely on my radar as well to yeah, uh, yeah. check out. So <laughs> it sounds like it definitely comes recommended from your end. If you could give one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? Authenticity is the new bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> stop using stock. Stop using stock. Stop using fake anything. You know, you can't, the time of tactics is over. You know, back in the day, you could just run Facebook and run programmatic and it would work. And I think the the baseline of marketing is much higher than it's ever been. So the time of tactics is over. And Yvonne Chenard said it, don't go public, go purpose. <laughs> don't go public and go purpose. Love it. I can't, I can't claim that one, but, the, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it is pretty good. It is pretty good. Sophie, who are some of the influencers that you, uh, you follow? So long-term influencers I've followed are Brian Solis uh, that, you know, around when social media, you know, was starting this, he, this idea of sociology and technology converging and I still find his stuff fascinating in all his books. Internally we have a pod club and we nearly renamed it Lenny's Pod Club because all we were sharing with, was Lenny's podcast, so big shout-out <laughs> and thanks to Lenny. <laughs> But for product-led growth, for SaaS companies, he gets great people on the podcast and really insightful. We just did a deep dive on April Dunford. Uh, she goes into like positioning for B2B. So we're doing 
you know, our head of sales, our chief product officer and myself are going deep on that at the moment. And yeah, that's probably that's probably it. So I still I listen to Lex Friedman when I need to elevate and go higher. <laughs> I love it. I mean, those are those are great people to listen to. It's uh, sometimes hard to find good good B two B kind of thought leaders and 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 people that are that are worth kind of spending spending time on. But it's I think really those hard. are great examples. Last question, Sophie. What's something that excites you about B2B today? Oh, B2B is exciting. Um, is it? I mean, it's easy. Can I just say AI? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that we underestimate how much AI, well, no, we, we probably don't. It is going to change things. And, you know, I think right now we need to get our purpose-driven companies in check because as soon as AI hit, and it already has, it is going to 10x, 100x, uh, do what we are doing already. So if we're doing purpose-driven things, then it is going to absolutely explode that. So I think now more than ever, we need to get this, you know, we need to get this going because I think that that will be where the opportunity is. Can I ask a follow-up question to that? What are you doing to kind of educate yourself or upskill yourself in, in uh, or, or kind of prepare to leverage AI in the company? Yeah. So we, across the company, we've gone quite deep in AI. Like we've been using AI for years in our recommendation and product classification. So, and right now, like just last week, we had a, you know, we have a data working group around AI and it's really around, you know, we have a data for good policy in the company. um, And that is using our data for the good of the industry, for the good of our customers. And we had a workshop. It's like, how can we best use our data to create a more sustainable industry and anything from, you know, uh, forecasting to pricing optimization, you know, personalized recommendations. So we are deep on AI, passionate about it. And we are educate. We're actually doing an event in two weeks. We're educating our customers on how to prepare for it. You know, the tools are already there, digitize your ordering, digitize your payments, get the insights. And then when you can layer on AI, because, you know, as we know, it's only the data and the input that goes into it is where you'll get, where you'll get the gold. So no, we're, we're going deep on AI. Love it. Sophie, this has been an awesome conversation. I just want to say thank you for, for coming on the podcast and all the amazing insights that, uh, that you shared. No, thank you, Shaheen. Great to chat to you as always. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semido with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.